Hello, hello, DSO Connect friends. Casey here. I hope you are having a fabulous start to your season, hitting your enrollment goals, making great connections with your students, inspiring and leading your staff. I hope it's all just going super swimmingly. If you've got questions or conundrums, or if you have successes and victories that you want to share or that you want feedback on, head on over to the DSO Connect community group on Facebook. It is free 99, so you do not have to pay anything to join. We'd love to have you and join in on the conversation. Today's episode with Stacey Morgan was recorded in April of 2022. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the DSO Connect podcast. I'm Casey and I have with me today Stacy Morgan. Hello, Stacy. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you on today. I feel like I say that about every guest I have, but I really am excited about <laughs> I truly am excited about all of them. And I'm super excited to have you on today. You have um such a such an amazing bio. So let me go ahead and, and read that so our listeners get to know more about you. Um, Stacy is a no fluff and direct is the approach that Stacy Morgan uses when she is business coaching. She has dedicated herself to encouraging women and busy moms to find their own version of success. She provides real world insight and the tools to create their blueprint for success all while hosting two podcasts, Miss Bossy Boots and how to run a successful business and still have a life. Yes, that's the key. Stacy is a passionate entrepreneur and small business consultant from Australia. She is the principal of Port Macquarie Performing Arts, a dance school on the mid-north coast of New South Wales. She is also the director of Morgan Media, a global podcast production company that focuses on podcasts related to small businesses, the arts, and raising a family. Stacy is a sought-after speaker, facilitator, and business consultant offering online business coaching to small businesses around the world. World. She was a finalist in the Telstra Business Women's Awards in 2020. She's using her knowledge from her successful six-figure businesses to coach and consult with women business owners juggling their own business while also raising a family. So welcome, Stacey. That is me. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Gosh, what a bio. There's so many things in there. The dance portion, the coaching portion, the podcast portion, the parenting and wife portion, all the things. That's incredible. All the things. And it does, and it's not even updated enough. I just purchased a brand new studio. So now I'm the owner of two <sighs> dance studios. So oh, I kind of have to God. update. Congratulations. <laughs> well, thank you. Oh, that's impressive. So do you ever sleep? As it's 2 a.m. as we're recording where you are I was in Australia. <laughs> the irony of that question at this time in the morning. No, I do. <laughs> I do love to sleep. And that, you know, it's so funny that, that that's where we start because for so many dance studio owners and for women business owners, we really have spent a long time putting everyone before us. And so a lot of what I do is unpacking, you know, that process of, okay, why is it that we decide to put everyone before us? We put our kids before us. We put our students before us. We, you know, make sure that everything is done before we think about our own sleep or our own self-care or, you know, looking after ourselves. So, you know, the, the dent, the business coaching part of me is, you know, always talking to women about making sure you get enough sleep and making sure that you are looking after yourself, which I feel that I do, even though yes, my mm-hmm. plate is very full, but I also take the responsibility of being a mentor to the young students that I teach in now, both of my studios 
I take that seriously as well. And role modeling for them mm-hmm. that, yes, you know, running yourself into the ground is not healthy. You know, um, putting a, a badge on busyness is, is, is not productive yeah. and healthy. And for me, it's yeah, like, that, that like hustle, that hustle and grind mentality is like not sustainable and not healthy. No. And I don't want them to, to see me doing that and to think, oh, okay, that's what I have to do. And that's what I have to be. And I've got three young kids. And so prioritizing time with them and, and, you know, leaving the studio at night and not being the last one there, going home to tuck my kids into bed. I, I say to them all the time, I don't, you know, I don't kind of hide away from that. I say to my students, this has been great. I've really enjoyed teaching you, but right now I need to go home and see my kids and read them a story and put them to bed. And, and that's important to me as well. And I hope by role modeling that for my dance students, but also, you know, with my coaching, with, with other business owners, I'm hope I'm trying yeah. to normalize that for everybody. So yes, I do sleep. I sleep very well. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. Are you still teaching at your studios or are you just, I mean, not just, but are you an owner first and foremost, or do you still teach? I teach a lot more this year than I have in the past. Wow. And that is, you know, I'm sure everybody's in the same boat when it comes to to COVID and for, you know, teachers being, uh, you know, caught out either with COVID or being a close contact to somebody else who has a COVID, mm-hmm. their kids have COVID, you know, it's, it's been a really hard juggle for so many small business owners in terms of keeping the wheels turning in the business whilst there's been so many challenges. So I have been doing a lot of covering of other people's classes, but in, in addition to that, I've put myself on, um, four days a week. So I am teaching a lot in saying that they're not all full nights. Sometimes I'm doing, you know, the babies during the day or our, you know, pre-professional kids during the day. So it's a really, it's a really nice mix of dance studio ownership, but also being in the classroom and getting to teach the classes that I like. And they are the classes that I like, you know, you, you, run, the, you run the business for a reason. <laughs> when you get to pick which classes you teach, that's just the best and not like, oh, I have to teach this class because nobody else will, yeah. you know, it's, that's so good. And I think like that diversity is, is part of what makes owning a dance studio such an amazing job because you never get, I mean, hopefully you never get sick of doing it because it's not the same thing every day. One day you're teaching and then the next day you're doing admin and then you're doing, you know, bookkeeping or scheduling or, or what, and you know, you're deep in an Excel spreadsheet or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're working on lesson plans and choreography. So it's like very much a left brain, right brain situation to be in. And I think that's why it is such a, a, a great um, career for so many women. Yeah, absolutely. And this year I've gone back to teaching senior ballet, which is actually like my first love and Mm. the amount of joy I'm getting out of teaching that class. Even though when I first put it on the schedule, I was like, Oh, that's, you know, that's late on a Wednesday night. My husband loves to play basketball on a Wednesday night. And you know, how are we going to juggle that as a family? I'm so grateful that we could make it work because that, you know, that hour in the classroom with my kids who are really dedicated and really passionate with some beautiful mm-hmm. music and just moving our bodies is is really therapeutic and meditative for me. And I'm really finding oh, yeah. that, that that little part, even though it's work, it feels, you know, like joy. Oh, I love that. That's so great. So tell us about your your dance journey, what your dance background is, how you became a studio owner. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> I think I was always going to be a studio owner, truthfully. I, hmm. I think that I had my you know, very young, I had desires to, to 
be the boss and to be in charge and to have my own recital, as so many of us do, right? When we're learning, mm-hmm. we're always standing backstage and thinking, when I do this, I'm going to dance to this number and they're going to wear this coloured costume and it's going to be fabulous. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that <laughs> once we've been doing it for a while. So I try and keep that, you know, top of mind that this was the dream and how lucky am I to be doing this now? Ooh, but I, yeah. I grew up dancing and, and loving it, you know, going to the studio every single second that I, that I could. My teacher gave me an award when I was 10 years old that was just a, a piece of wood with a key on top of it that she'd super glued. And it said um, the Honourable Tenant Award. And I didn't really know what that meant at the time, but, it, you know, it, it was to say that I would live at the studio if I could. And that was completely That true. is so cute. Isn't it? Oh, my God, I love that. Yeah. What a cute idea. I'm going to have to steal that. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> and then I guess, you know, I, I I just did more and more and more. And I actually thought I was going to be a ballerina. That was that was my dream. Mm. And I was the kind of kid that always won awards for potential. I never, you know, I was never the first place winner. I was never, you know, the most competitive kid, but I, I had potential. I had potential for so long and I was thinking any day now yeah. this is really going to come you know, it's all going to come together for me. And when I was 15, my teacher put me forward for an audition for the Australian Ballet School. And, and of course, this was it. This was my moment. And it didn't go well. <laughs> and I think, you know, she knew that. I, I really think she knew that. But she couldn't break my heart and say to me, you know, you're not good enough to go for that, um, even though I mm-hmm. clearly wasn't. I didn't have the body for a dancer. I didn't have any of the facility. I didn't have the flexibility. I, it it just wasn't going to be for me. And so she put me forward for that audition and I tried my hardest and I failed. And so I had a midlife crisis at 15 and thought, you know, I'm not (laughs) going to be a ballerina. What's the use of living? Like, what am I? Oh my gosh. I had such the same experience. I auditioned for the the school for the arts in Baltimore where I grew up and I didn't get in. And I just thought like, Oh my God, my whole world has shattered. It felt like I was walking along this sidewalk and then it just dropped out in front of me. And I thought my life was over. That's exactly (laughs) how I felt too. But she was there to pick me up. Like she, she Mm. could see all of this unfolding before I could even see it unfolding. So when, when that bad news came through, she was there to pick me up and to say, you know what? I actually think you're quite a good teacher and I see you, you know, here Mm. assisting every single class, (laughs) you know, every chance that you get. How about for this year, I give you your own class on a Saturday morning. And she gave me a group of eight-year-olds and said, you know, this is your junior jazz class and you get to create your own piece for the recital and you get to nurture these kids and see how you go. And of course I was hooked and that responsibility just kind of picked me up and lifted me off. And I realized that actually, when it comes to it, I'm a far better teacher than I ever would have been ballerina. And Mm -hmm. that the, the lifestyle of being a ballerina really wasn't suited to me as well. I liked structure. I like, um, I like to know what's coming up. I I like to set my own path. I don't like to stand in an audition room and say, you decide my future. I was very much, this Mm -hmm. is, you know, I'm, I know where I'm going, watch out everybody else. So that, that's kind of how that worked. I did go when I finished, um, high school I did go and dance professionally um, in musicals and in commercial dance here in Australia and overseas back when the commercial industry was you know thriving there were casinos and um, 
and clubs in Asia that there were, you know, Australian dancers performing at all the time and lots of different contracts and lots of exciting travel opportunities. And they don't all exist anymore. So I'm so grateful that they did at the time. I kind of hit the jackpot. Yeah. So I got to go and, That's awesome. and dance and be on stage and, you know, hear the applause and, and think that all of that dance training that I'd done really paid off, which was great. And, um, and then I went... <laughs> And then, and then I went to university to study education, not because I wanted to, but because my parents had made a deal with me when I said to them, I want to be a dancer. They said, you can be a dancer for a year and then you're going to go to university. And I went, whatever, bye. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like agreed to this, you know, agreement. And I just thought that the, the year would go so well that they would just say oh don't worry about that loving just keep going going. your dream but they didn't they packed me up in my little 1982 Ford Fiesta and drove to my (laughs) auntie's house in Brisbane and and I turned around twice and there I was you know attending university to do dance like dance and education so it wasn't Mm -hmm. I wasn't a complete fish out of water but you know at the time I was cursing them but that that Bachelor of Education really set me up for everything that was to come. From that, I got to go and be head of dance at a big high school, a big performing arts high school and, and you know, produce great shows and meet incredible people. I got to go and perform again and be in other shows. I got to run a national education program for dance in New Zealand for the Royal New Zealand Ballet, which was really rewarding. Wow. And and then I came home to Port Macquarie where my family was from because I'd met my husband and um, he was desperate, desperate to get married and, and have children, even though I was kind of just like flying off with my career. <laughs> he was like, oh, let's go home. So uh, we ended up moving home and I worked on breakfast radio for a little while, um, which was the first thing I'd done, which was completely away from dance. And I only did that for a year before I really had the, you know, the calling and the, the, the voice inside that said, it's, it's time for your own studio. And the rest is history. That's amazing. And how did you start entering into the coaching world? Well, that's a real, like that kind of just happened organically because my business was successful and we live in a, a small regional town here in Australia. And so I had people asking me all the time, can I sit down and pick your brain? And I did it that many times that I ended up spending more time doing that than I was in the studio teaching. And I, and I thought, this is actually a thing. People want to listen to what I have to say. And my husband had said it to me like five or six years earlier. He said, this is what you'll end up doing. And I was like, people don't want to listen to me. That's not a thing. And it turns out they do. <laughs> and it is because now that, that business itself is, you know, just as big as the dance studio and takes up just as much, if not some, some weeks more of my time than anything else. Yeah. And I find that so rewarding, but it actually links in with the vision and the values that I have for the studio, you know, the studio is all about empowering women, young women. I mean, we, we have boys as well, but primarily it's, it's the young women that we're impacting in our community. And then Mm -hmm. this business coaching is about empowering older women and and new mums and people who are stepping into motherhood um, so that they know that they can run their business. They can be a good mum. They can have all the things that they want. They can have their own version of success. They just need to be really um, conscious of what that is going to be and then really intentional with the, with the actions that they take in order to get themselves where they want to be. So the vision is the same for both businesses, even though the way that, that I deliver it is, is quite different. Yeah, that's so interesting. I was talking with um, 
oh my gosh, I can't remember who it was, but I was doing another podcast recording with so with someone else a few weeks ago, and they were talking about how the the coaching aspect of of being a dance studio owner is. Um, oh, it was Erin Bird who does the the mobile dance program. Fabulous. Um, yeah, and she was talking about how like by stepping out of the classroom and coaching other studio owners, it's really allowed her to impact so many more dancers mm. because she, you know, that she impacts that one studio owner who then goes on to impact so many young kids lives. And how beautiful is that? You know, that by coaching, we're not just impacting the life of the, of our client, we're, we're really kind of spreading it all over and, and having, you know, it's like a little ripple, big waves. I I just had the hairs on the back of my neck stand up when you said, right. It's actually (laughs) something I've thought about before. But, you know, I, I work with people from, from a range of different businesses, but yes, a lot of them are dance studio owners because that's, that's my wheelhouse and people naturally gravitate to me for that. And I've got clients in, in Canada and in the U S and here in Australia and New Zealand. And I just, yeah, I just thought about that and they all have students and all of their students, yeah, have been impacted by, by that work. And that's pretty special, right? Right. And I could, have, really I could have been a ballerina and standing in front of a mirror, but no, I get to do this instead, yeah. which, you know, if I could tell my 15 year old self who was having that meltdown and having that, my life is over moment. This is, right? this is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. It really is. It really is. And I, I feel like when I was a student, especially in college as a dance major, the whole, there was like a stigma against being a teacher because the whole goal was to be a performer or a choreographer. And that was the dream Mm. because it was a performance-based program. And I was, you know, teaching here and there while I was in in college and, um, and it, and it was still like looked down upon. And I, you know, had this whole, when I opened my studio, I felt very proud and like I had reached some level of success, but I didn't really feel like I could share it with people because like, it was just a dance studio. It was just a little dance studio and not like performing somewhere amazing or choreographing for some big company or something. Um, But now I'm like, screw that. I own a dance studio and it's amazing and I'm good at it and it's so fun and it's the best. And I'll think about all these kids' lives that I'm impacting. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that mindset is so important, especially as a business owner. If you don't believe in yourself, then it's going to be really hard for people to follow you and, and to believe in yes. you. And um, my friend, Jane Gretsch, who um, runs Dead Studio Success, she always says, no one follows a hot mess. And I, I love that <laughs> so much because sometimes we can get in our head and get really, I don't, you know, this... I don't know what I'm doing and I'm kind of just flailing about and, and, you know, I'm disorganized. I've got the recital to do, but I haven't, you know, I'm, I haven't got everything, all my ducks in a row. And she always says, no one follows a hot mess. So it, you know, that whole believing in yourself and believing that yes, you are mm-hmm. having an impact and you are doing something important and who cares what everybody else thinks, you know, you know, you're awesome pull it together and yeah. be that, you know, be that leader and, and set the right example moving forward. And that's so important in, in studio ownership oh, yeah. and, and life, right? And life in general. Absolutely. And I feel like so many of the life lessons we learn from being dancers growing up and then from being dance entrepreneurs gives us so many more tools to be a successful entrepreneur. Um, So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, What 
do you feel like were some of the main lessons that dance has taught you that have transitioned you into a successful entrepreneur? I just think the ability to fall down literally and get back up again. You know, I Mm. say to my students all the time, if you fall down, it shows me you're working hard. Like it shows me you're really Mm -hmm. trying. Kids who are not trying are never going to fall down. (laughs) So fall down go for it. Make a fool of yourself. Have that moment where your cheeks get flushed and, and you, your heart starts racing because you, you hit the deck and pull yourself back up and continue, continue on. You know, we've all, we've all got those stories about, you know, at the competition or at the recital where we stacked it and fell on our, our butts and had to stand up and continue dancing. And whilst at the time, you know, you think you're going to die and that's so mortifying it's so good for you because business ownership is. is about falling down and standing back up oh again. Oh my God. Falling down so many right? times. <laughs> and being okay with it and being able to go, yeah. yep, that wasn't the best. That wasn't the best. That wasn't as great as it could be, but I'm going to get up and do it again. And I'm going to try again and, you know, do the pirouette yeah. again or and, and, do the recital and again. Being, <laughs> being brave enough and vulnerable enough to, to do try again. Yes. I was just talking with my kindergartners yesterday about, um, about bravery. And they were talking, one of them said that they, um, we share news at the beginning of every class. And so one of them was sharing that she went to an amusement park and went on a roller coaster and that it, that it was scary, but she was brave and it was so much fun. And I was like, isn't that so cool that you can be brave and scared at the same time. And they were all like, what? But those are the opposite things. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, bravery doesn't mean that you're not scared. It means that you're scared, but you do the thing anyway. And they were like, whoa, Miss Casey. Wow. (laughs) That is so great. And, and so, and so incredibly true, but we don't often think about it. And you're teaching those kindergartners exactly that. Like you can, Mm -hmm. you can do what you want to do. You can step into these scary things and it's going to be okay. It doesn't mean you're going to feel okay at the time, but but things will right. be okay in the end. I think it's yeah. something else that's really I find that we underestimate as dancers is that in a dance studio we're being given constant feedback. Mm. Fix the arm, shoulders down, stretch your knees, point your toes, or that constant feedback. And getting that yeah. your entire life as a dancer, when you get into business and people are giving you feedback all the time, I find that some of my clients who aren't studio owners or aren't dancers and are in in other businesses, when people give them feedback in their business, their whole world falls apart. Oh, I you know, I I might as well quit. I you know what I'm doing is awful. There's this real sense of doom and gloom when when they get feedback from a customer or from a supplier or um, somebody in their community that says you know you know this wasn't that great or you know the the countertop needed wiping down or any, anything like that that they get in their business. Whereas I feel like for dance studio owners and anyone who has had dance as part of their childhood, we're used to getting constant feedback. In fact, we thrive on it. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. If, yeah. you, if you're giving me feedback, I know that you you care about me. You're, you value yeah. what I'm doing. So that I really underestimated that as, as an adult and as a business That's coach, so I, I need to be really careful in, in the way that I give feedback to some of my clients because I forget they weren't dancers. They don't, they don't have that kind of, they don't know how to apply correction no, and take it as a gift. Right? Yeah. They don't know how to take it as a gift. That, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And, and some people really, really struggle with that. And because that's such a big part of entrepreneurship, 
entrepreneurship and, and owning your own business, you've got to be flexible. You've got to be able to pivot. You know, we've been doing so much of that lately. You've really so much pivoting. So much. You've really got to be able to, to think on your feet and to take that feedback and go, yes, that what that that you're exactly right. That counter did need wiping down. I need a system for that. I need to get that procedure in as part of my business. All of my team need to know about it. I need to put it in place. Mm-hmm. Instead, so many of them just go, oh gosh, what's it all worth? Might as well close the doors, pack it up. And I go, no, 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 no. It's just one little thing. It's, it's one little one thing. Little thing. Yeah. You've got to roll with the punches. So I think that, yeah. you know, not just that picking yourself up and dusting yourself off and trying again, but that taking on feedback, figuring out what's working and what's not working, making changes accordingly, being being flexible and and making your business mm-hmm. better every day. I think they're just two examples of things that as a dancer have really put me in in a great position in now being a leader and a business owner. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I sometimes find myself on the opposite end where I'm like, God, I need more feedback. I don't have enough, uh, enough people telling me what's working and what's not working. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, so I'll send out a survey to my customers to see, you know, where they're at and, and, you know, gauge their, their satisfaction or, or whatever, or, or I'll send a survey out to my staff to see, you know, am I making your job as easy as I can and as fun as I can, what else do you need from me? Um, you know, and, or, you know, something like that, where it's like, I need more input from other people's brains and other people's eyes to know yes. <laughs> if I'm doing the right thing, if it's really working, because maybe it's working for me, but maybe it's not working for other people. And I think that's another reason why having a coach is so important at some point in your business's life to where you can have a person telling you, you know, try it this way. This might work better. Um, you know, or whatever it might be. Um, and then you can have that little voice in the back of your head. So like when you're dancing, you always have that teacher's voice in the back of your head. Yes. Oh, I know that miss so-and-so would tell me to do this right yes. now. And, and you need that person. You need that voice in the back of your head from a business owner's perspective as well. Absolutely. So. And do you, I don't know about you. I go to the grocery store and hear a song that I danced to when I was you know, 14 oh. years old. I can still hear my teacher's voice. Screaming yes. corrections <laughs> through the music. I like that's how I remember the steps. But- What's so funny is that Robin, who's my co-host on this podcast and business partner in DSO Connect, was my first dance teacher. Oh, beautiful! And I still hear her voice in certain songs and you know choreographies, you know, like yelling directions yes. and corner side, corner back, yes. corner side, corner front. <laughs> I love that. I still hear. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Absolutely. I um. What you were saying about you know seeking more feedback. We do feedback Fridays um in our studio oh. or in in both studios now where there's an automated post, a scheduled post that goes on our social media every Friday that links to a Google form. We don't in any way put out a post and say comment here and tell us everything we're doing wrong but instead Mm. it links to a google form so that people can then you know they know that if you know something upsets them on a tuesday and and they really want to make sure that we know about it they know every every friday that that opportunity is going to come up they can click on that link they can go through and for us as 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 teachers and business owners we can go in then and troubleshoot these things that are going wrong. Whereas so many of my my business clients run away from that. They'd be like feedback, asking asking people what I'm doing wrong. No, 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 no. I don't want to know. 
no, thank you. I don't want to know. <laughs> but I, you know, we are really open to that. And I think that's, that's because we've been getting feedback our whole lives, right? Yeah, that's great. That's so great. And so then is that part of your weekly routine where you, you know, kind of look through those responses that you get each Friday over the weekend, or how does that work? Do you review those responses with an admin team or is it just you? I like to, when I do a, a survey, have one of my admin team read all the, read all the responses and then give me a summarized version. So I don't necessarily get the emotion of the responses. Mm -hmm. If they're like kind of, um, you know, maybe a little bit nasty or upset, I don't get that emotion. I just get, this is what we need to do. Yes. (laughs) So how do you, how do you process those responses? That's a beautiful way of doing it. You know, I used to read them on the Friday and end up ruining my whole weekend. And I was like, not doing that anymore. Monday mornings is a good time to, to read them and then to make plans for the week because, Yeah. even though as business owners, we do, you know, we don't often switch off. It's our business. So we're kind of always on all the time. I could sit and reply to it on the Saturday afternoon, but instead I want to, you know, go outside and kick a ball with my kids. So instead, you know, I wait until Monday and then sit down on Monday and go, okay, what do we, what do we need to address and, and how are we going to get to it? And getting back to people, you know, so many people are happy to be keyboard warriors and, and tell you all the things that you're doing wrong. But as soon mm-hmm. as you then give them a call, jump on the phone and say, thank you so much for your feedback. I, you know, I noticed that you said that, um, you know, the, the carpets were dirty when you walked into the studio the other day, just want to let you know that I got that feedback and they go, Oh, no worries. No, 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 no. doesn't matter. Yeah. Oh, okay. Great. Like it doesn't, I think when you get the opportunity to address it with people and especially when you do that in a, in a really personalized relationship building way, they really appreciate mm-hmm. a, the fact that you reach out, B, that you're going to do something about it and see that they had the opportunity to, to vent or to share, but you're, you're right. Yeah. You don't want to be getting the emotion that, that comes along with all of that because we, we do invest so much in our businesses. It becomes part of us and it, we, it, it you know, is really close to us. I, I once had somebody say, when you get, when someone says something bad about your business, it's like someone calling your baby ugly. Have you heard that before? Oh, yes. It's that same. Yes. It's so wrenching, true. Like heart sinking. Oh, dare you. Like, how dare you? The, the audacity. <laughs> that you get in the beginning. And, you know, sometimes that's not warranted whatsoever, but it is that kind of feeling in the beginning. So you want to protect yourself from that. You don't want to ride that roller coaster too much. So I love the idea of taking the emotion out and, and just being able to deal with the issues at hand and not necessarily the rant that might not be your stuff at all. It might just be completely their stuff that they put in. I did. I did have my, um, my one admin person who, who reads, uh, you know, survey responses for me. She asked to, to step away from that role for a little bit because it was getting to her. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, yes, we can, we can hold off on doing another survey for a few more months. That's fine. (laughs) I love it. Cause we have like no more surveys. I can't handle. (laughs) Right. Well, cause we have like an automated drip email that goes out to new families at their like three to six month mark at at our studio. And so it's kind of like a constant thing with people coming in with, you know, more survey responses. So I just put pause on those emails. (laughs) (laughs) So the protection of your team. I love that. Exactly. Yes. Got to protect their mental health and mine. Yes. (laughs) 
Love it. Let's move on to productivity and time management and those types of skills. I know that's something that's uh, a sort of a a passion topic for you. So um, you mentioned something about figuring out your go time and um, tell us more about what that means and how it, how it can help. Well, you asked me in the beginning if I slept and you know, yes, I am sleeping and yes, I am very busy juggling all the things that I'm juggling, but the way that I've really made that work to my advantage is to figure out when my go time is and when I'm at my best and when I'm not at my best, because I think Mm -hmm. in the early days of the business, I would just try and do everything at any stage, any chance I got, I was in front of the computer and, and working any chance that I got, I was answering that email, returning that phone call, just troubleshooting one thing, one thing at a time and one thing after another that would come at me. But now I'm so much more protective of my energy and what I do and when I do it in order to make sure I get the most out of the time that I have. Right. Cause there's, there's nothing as frustrating as sitting in front of your computer for like three hours and getting up and realizing that you did nothing for three hours when you could have been taking a nap or having a massage or something that's more revitalizing than just staring at the computer and not getting anything accomplished. Exactly. And I would, I would take, you know, three hours to write the newsletter and the newsletter should take 40 minutes max. But because I was not mm-hmm. in my zone, not in, like in my go time, I would just, you know, I, you know, change that sentence and fix that sentence and go back and do I want to use this photo or do I want to use that photo? And it would just drag on mm-hmm. and no one's got that kind of time and no one's reading my newsletter that, you know, intensely. So <laughs> I really had to think about the things, firstly, the things that I am good at and that are kind of my zones of genius. And when I'm then, when I'm going to do those. And so for me morning, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a morning person, but that morning time is when I'm most productive. So I did breakfast radio for, for long enough that getting up at 4am and, and being happy and cheery, I can do that if I need to, but I, it's not my, it's not where I want to hang out. So having enough, having enough sleep and then being able to start the morning with a big breakfast and a nice cup of tea, and then to get stuck in, I can work really, really well and really intensely until about one o'clock and then bam, I am hopeless <laughs> at that yeah. point between one and three, nothing good is going to happen in that time. I can talk on the phone during that time. Um, and I can run errands in town. I can go to the post office and I can get things done, but I'm not using my brain in the very best way during that time. And so I pick up again in, in the afternoon. And I think that's part of, you know, being a dance studio and you, you, your go time is like four o'clock. Let's go. Yeah. But yeah. that in terms of getting the admin done for each, for each of my businesses and, and being really productive, I have to do it in the morning and I have to be really diligent about setting aside those tasks that aren't, you know, for, for my best brain use and not doing them till the afternoon. I cannot book, no, I cannot book myself a meeting at 11 a.m. It's just going to like take out pretty much the whole day because I won't be able to be too productive before that. And I'm definitely not going to be productive after it. So that's, you know, just write that Tuesday off. That's, that's a goner. So I put my meetings in the afternoon. I put my phone call returning in the afternoon. I put, check my emails in the afternoon and in the mornings I switch off my phone. I switch off distractions and I sit down and get stuck into some really deep work where I really have to use my brain because I know that that's my go time. And I think once you've figured out 
what that actually means and, and where you're going to be most productive, you can really use that to your advantage and get so much more out of the time that you have. Because we own it, like we all, I'd love to say, we all have the same amount of time as Beyonce. And, you know, it's up to us exactly how we use them, those hours that we have, those 168 hours. I think sometimes we forget that. We feel like we're on the roller coaster and it, it, it's moving. We're, we're on, we're strapped in. We, we can't, you know, change anything. But I think it's important to remember that we can and we can sometimes be able to be the orchestrator of when the roller coaster goes up and when it comes down. Um, how do you how do you figure out when your go time is? I mean, especially for studio owners who are doing admin work all day, or maybe they have a day job and then they go to the studio and they teach and then they're at the studio until like nine or whatever. And then they come home and do more work. Mm-hmm. And then they finally go to bed at whatever, you know, like how do you figure out what that go time is for yourself? And let's just say like snaps and all power to people who are doing day job plus studio plus teaching plus ad- admin plus customer relationship nurturing plus 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 all the things that go into running your own studio that that is just huge in itself and so in in those yeah. cases especially it's really really important to figure out when your go time is and it's and it's just a matter of being able to test things out when do i feel like i'm in flow you know that feeling of um, hey, I'm kicking goals. I'm, you know, moving, I'm crossing things off my list. I'm moving from one task to the next because I'm completing things. And it really feels like I'm getting somewhere. That feeling mm-hmm. um, is addictive. And you want to put that feeling in as many parts of your life as you can. So once you've figured out what that is, and, you know, it might change over, over your life. I know that when I was a mm-hmm. university student, my mornings were just nothing. They used to play Oprah here in Australia at 2 p.m. in the afternoon and I could get nothing done. I was completely useless before before Oprah. And then Oprah would be on, actually it was one o'clock. So it would be, Oprah would be on at one o'clock and it would finish at two and at two, bam, I would pick up and that would be it. I could get, you know, I'm, I'd work, you know, study then through till 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night and just be super productive. Wow. But now I'm a mum, and <laughs> that has completely changed. And, you know, a couple of years ago, if you would have asked me this in 2018, I would have said, you know, 5am to 7am is my go time. And that was because my kids were were younger and they were getting up earlier. And, you know, I kind of made a deal with my husband because my days were so full with, you know, feeding and daycare and dropping kids off and picking kids up and, and all of, you know, when they're really young, they're so hands on that I said to him, you, you're on duty until 7am. This is, it's, it's all you, it's the daddy show. And I'm going to be in my office with the door shut and I'm going to get up at five and I'm going to do two hours of solid work. And that's how I'm going to start my day. And gosh, that was great. Uh, you know, that was something that really, really gave me lots of energy because I would get so much done during those two hours. Mm. That was my time limit. That's all I had. So I guess it's just about testing different things that work for you and testing and trying and waiting for that feeling and then noticing that feeling and, and being really conscious of it and taking note of it and then trying to put more of that in your life and knowing that, you know, life is just full of seasons and, you know, this season it could be 5am till 7am and next season it could be after Oprah, but whatever it's going to be, as long as you're aware <laughs> of it and you're using it to your advantage, then, then you're, in, you're, in, you're in a good spot. Yeah, I know that my my go time used to be like 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Right. And that's when I got most of my work done was during those hours. And I would be sending out emails at like 1.30 in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and people would be getting them when they woke up the next morning on their phone in bed going, like, what, what, is, what is Miss Casey doing? 
Yeah. I just, yeah. Now I'm a little bit more uh, consistent with the rest of the world, but I'm still very much a night, a nighttime person. Yeah. And see that works for you. And so being able to, to teach and then come home and give yourself dinner and then sit down at the computer and go, okay, this is, this mm-hmm. is go time. Even just knowing that means that you know what, how you can work your schedule on the other side of that. Yes. You're going to sleep in a little bit later when, when you get up in the morning. Yes. You're going to maybe use the morning to go a little bit slower. have a cup of tea, answer those emails, you know, re- call those people on the phone that want to talk to you, you know, order costumes, th- things like that, that you can, that you can do almost on autopilot so that at night when it is your go time, you can go, right. This is when I'm going to get stuck into that big strategy and those things that really need all of your brain power. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, talk to me a little bit about like how you organize your life. I mean, do you have like apps that you use to track your time and manage your to-do lists? Are you more of a paper person? I know that like those types of, um, systems are always interest. I always love learning about how other people manage their, their lives. So what do you use? Absolutely. And you know, this is, this is my jam. I love I love all things productivity. I'm a bit of a to-do list um, guru. My to-do list has been evolving and changing and it's a paper to-do list. And Mm. it has, you know, different categories and different, um, you know, I try and prioritize things in A, B, C and D categories. So the A's are all the things that are important and urgent and need to get done today. And then, you know, the D's can wait until next week. They can kind of roll over. And, you know, my to-do list has a section for life admin and it's got a section for things that I'm going to do at home, a section for people that I'm going to call, things that I've got to buy at the shops. Like it's, it's pretty fancy. And if anyone would like a copy, I'm happy to give you a download of that. Oh my gosh. Yes, please. Yes. Super easy. And you can tweak it to to whatever suits you. And and mine has changed so many Mm -hmm. times, but I guess it really starts with um, systemization, knowing what your system is and what's going to work. I start my week with the Sunday reset. I like to spend an hour. Sometimes it's not even an hour, really. It can be less time than that, depending on what I've got going on that week, but just, just to set my week up to say, okay, Let's have a look at the calendar. I use Google Calendar and everything is color-coded. So let's have a look at the calendar and see what's happening this week. And let's let's plan out when I'm going to have those deep work sessions. Are there days in this week that I can block out time so that I can actually sit and, and turn off the distractions in the morning and get some work done? And, you know, who who is waiting on things from me? I find that really mm. starting the week knowing those things that I need to, those, those A tasks that need to get done because somebody is waiting for a response I find if I know all of those on a Sunday then you know there's so much more of a chance that they're going to get done as the week goes on and you know creating my ideal week is is really really the thing that has enabled me to be a business owner to run successful businesses and to have have kids and not feel like I'm always being torn between the two I didn't realize for a very long time especially when my kids were young that I got to actually choose how I was going to spend my time. I just thought that I was at the whim of when they needed to be fed or when they needed to be, you know, dropped off at any of their activities. But actually, Right, yeah, like their schedule was dictating your life. It was dictating my whole life, but it was. Mm-hmm. I was in charge of the schedule. I just didn't kind of have that flip of that mindset. So I always start the year by planning out what my ideal week is going to look like. And some weeks it works and some weeks that, you know, the, the wheels completely fall off and that's totally fine. Sure. But I, I make sure I have a nice balance of, of time for me, of time with them. Now that they're getting a bit older and there's three of them, it, you know, it's, 
it's really nice to be able to spend individual time with each child. And so that has to be scheduled oh, in. That's so important. It really yeah. is. I sat on the floor and my, my daughter's Harry Potter obsessed and she got the big castle Lego for her birthday. And so she's been working her way through the Lego. And she said to me yesterday, can you come and play Lego with me? And I sat on the floor with her for an hour just doing Lego. And I thought, oh, it's been a little while since it's just been her and I. So this is good that I'm that mm. I'm getting this in. But you've got to be intentional about that stuff. So planning that out in my ideal week. How how is that going to work? When am I going to have dinner with my husband? Like, remember that guy? Hello. Like I haven't <laughs> seen you in a while. If I don't plug that into the schedule and make sure that that's something that happens. And it doesn't sound very romantic, but hey, this is live. You have to you have to do it. You have to make time for it. And the only way to make time for it is to schedule it. Exactly. So like putting all of those things in and, and creating a picture that, you know, that my, both my head and my heart are both really happy with, that there's a nice balance of all of the things. I am going to be productive. I am going to be a good leader for my team. I am going to be, you know, a very present mum and there for my kids, but I also am going to have time to get everything done that, that needs to get done. And that, that has to be intentional and you've got to be conscious about where that time is going. And if you can do that and set yourself up at the beginning of the week and make sure your calendar is set with all of those, you know, notifications that are going to remind you when you need to leave for that dentist appointment or when you have that meeting coming up, then um, everything else kind of runs pretty smoothly from there. But my to-do list is with me every day, everywhere. I could, I could be going to that dentist appointment. The to-do list is with me. I don't really travel without it. Do you have like a little, a little notebook that you keep your to-do lists in, or is it just like a scrap of paper? How do you, or how do you keep that organized? So my to-do list is, is an A4 piece of paper. And what I do is I just take it down to the printers and I get them to print me a hundred and then put the gluey stuff at the top and a piece of cardboard on the back. So it's a notepad that I can write on. And then I just, when that list has all been done, I rip the page off and, and there's the next page is there. And you've just designed your own perfect to-do list. I did. I did. Well, yes, please share that with us. I'm <laughs> sure we would all love to see what you've done and and how that's how that's helping you and how it could inspire people to create their own lists that work for them. So that's awesome. Absolutely. No, happy to share. Yeah. Okay, cool. Very good. Well, I feel like we could talk for hours, but it is time to wrap it up. So what is your heart happy moment, Stacey? Well, I just talked about Lego, spending time mm-hmm. playing Lego on the floor. And, and because I had done that with her, um, I then thought, okay, well, I need to go and spend some time with Patrick. And Henry was at daycare yesterday, so he was kind of taken care of. And I didn't need to necessarily, um, you know, include something for him. But yesterday afternoon, I took him to the airport. I took Patrick to the airport because he's obsessed with planes at the moment, just obsessed with all the planes oh and all the kinds. How old is he? He's six and he has a little model plane that he just flies around the house and, you know, tells stories about the people that are on the plane and where they're flying to and talks about being a pilot. This has all really come up in the last couple of weeks that this is just, you know, he's so fun. So I thought, what could we do yesterday afternoon? It was raining. It was pretty miserable. I put him in the car, took him to the airport and we timed it beautifully. There was a, a flight going out. And then 10 minutes later, there was a flight coming in and he, his face 
when that plane came in, he had we had he had the window down and he had his whole body out of the um, car and it was pouring rain, but he didn't care oh and he was just going, look at it, mum. Oh, and he's rattling off statistics and things about the engines and the jets and all these things that he's learned off YouTube. And my heart was very, very happy in that moment because it was something so simple. That's awesome. It didn't cost us any money. We just drove to the airport and pulled up the car and he was in he was in heaven so those little moments make all of the hard work that you know that goes into parenting but you know entrepreneurship as well all of those things kind of collided and it was a beautiful moment oh i love that that's so fun and what a great and simple idea to make a kid's day like he'll remember that for a long time yes and you know it didn't it, 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 it's genius really <laughs> it's like patting myself on the back like wow Really nailed it today. <laughs> Good job. Go you. Good job, mom. <laughs> um, my heart happy moment was um, I just went out to Seattle to visit uh, my dear friend, um, Allison. And I also got to see my dog who um, my ex took in our recent split. And he moved out to Seattle as to Seattle area as well. And he let me have the dog while I was there. So I got to see my old dog for like five days and it was just the best. It was so great. And when I, when I first saw him, and it was dark outside my, he was over at my friend's apartment already. And so Allison brought him out as, you know, when I parked the rental car and was getting all my bags and everything. And he heard my voice and oh. just immediately started whining and wiggling and just yipping with excitement. Oh. And he was so happy to see me. It was the best. Yeah. It was so great. That's yeah. Beautiful. yeah. I got, I got all woman awesome. even just thinking about that oh. because <laughs> dogs have that ability to make you feel so loved, don't they? And especially after <sighs> so long, that would have been so special. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. It was so good. All right, Stacey. Well, where can people find you if they want to learn more about your services, if they want to reach out, if they want to work with you, um, where should they go? I would love you to follow me on Instagram. I'm at simply Stacey Morgan. My website is simplystacymorgan.com. And if you uh, go to simplystacymorgan.com, you can download my to-do list there. And um, if, oh, if you can't find it, then just hit me up with a DM on Instagram and I'd be more than happy to share it with Perfect. you and, and, and let you know it's, it's, it's always evolving. So stay in touch. And, mm. and if you take it and use it as inspiration to create your own, please share that with me as well, because I would love to see yeah. what is working for other people. See feedback Definitely. again. But it comes exactly. Like I, just tell me what you're learning. I want to learn more. <laughs> Not everybody's doing Perfect. that, but yes, you <laughs> find what works for you. I would love to hear about it because um, yeah. And, and celebrate you and the way that you're doing things in your world. I think that's important too. Oh, for sure. For sure. Well, thank you again so much. We'll have to have you back on to talk about one of your other areas of expertise. And I would the, love that. It's been a joy. Thank you. Infinite wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next time with another episode of the DSO Connect podcast. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.